Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another daily video podcast. We have a special guest with us. We have the director of Orthodox Conservatives, Joseph Robertson. How are you, Joseph? Good, thanks, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, not bad. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot happening right now. I mean, we've just gone past Christmas and New Year's, and somehow England just a bit, yeah, just about survived without having restrictions. Some restrictions still exist, with, including face masks. There is a big debate right now, and you know, you yourself have been kind of trying to kind of do a lot of research into it. It's not just about lockdown. It's also just about uh, the as a debate, scientific and non-scientific debate around vaccines, but also mandatory vaccines and vaccine passports. Uh, but uh, not many people actually debate the vaccinations in general because uh, they, including myself, they tend not to kind of get into it because it's unless you feel less, less confidence to kind of not you do enough research. Like Yes, I've not done much research into the different types and you know the background behind it and uh, right now in terms of effectiveness. So um, you're coming up on the channel to kind of talk about a study that's been uh, come out uh, that talks about a number of things around it, especially when it comes to the effectiveness of it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing about this study is that most people tend to have a um, an idea that everything has to be peer-reviewed now yeah. this this has been the biggest problem over the last couple of years is there's been a lot of science counteracting some of the mainstream narrative but a lot of the time it doesn't get the funding to be peer-reviewed we can go into why that is um i'm sure you can imagine why a lot of the time people don't have the interests of the science yeah. at heart um now the the great thing about this study is that it's uh, all clinical data so you can't really um say that it needs a peer review because it's simply statistics yep. um, and it's, it's come out from Denmark it's a Danish cohort uh, that produced the study via Medarx IV yep. um, and it essentially says that the vaccines both time both kinds that being predominantly used Pfizer and Moderna just simply don't work to yep. stop the spread of Omicron and it actually goes a little bit further than that it says that we're seeing negative results so people who have taken either one of these booster jabs are actually more likely to catch Omicron uh, and I guess the biggest question is why are governments around the world, particularly our one here at home, looking at this kind of counter science uh, to give a balanced and broader debate? Um, and I think that's one of the things we're seeing at the moment. There is no counter. There's no scientific counter. Uh, there's no government counter. Uh, there's no one really pushing back. There's no opposition. We're seeing that in politics, uh, but we're also seeing that in science as well. You're right, because I think um, that's what I want to kind of get your view on this, because um technically speaking from day one december 2020 when uh, the vaccines kind of uh, were confirmed they were coming out and they you know the whole 50 million jabs of freedom was about the focus was vaccines are going to help with severity and uh, so that's fine if they were to stick to that line that's okay and kind of encourage people to do it yeah but now especially more recently including the recent um, kind of at least the bluff restrictions that we just did in england as well including a uh, and mass kind of big venues, vaccine passports and things like this. Um, they are now focusing on the whole concept of vaccine passports is they keep telling people, take the vaccine so you could reduce the infection rate. Um, and that, that's clearly a lie. I mean, they know there's a yes. lie. I think they're still trying to aim to get people to do it for severity. But the fact that they, they're overselling it and yeah. overpromising it, I think that's actually kind of have a psychologically counterproductive um, kind of effect culturally, right? Because a lot of people yeah. who, are, who took the first dose, second dose, uh, or generally speaking, they were fine with previous vaccines in the past. Yeah. Now they're becoming more skeptical about vaccines, even in terms yeah. of the future, right? <laughs> like, I think part of it is uh, people are waking up to conflicts of interest. Yeah. Um, so there's financial conflicts of interest, as we know. People have signed contracts left, right, yeah. and centre, especially when it comes to liability over these vaccines. I mean, there's just en masse protection mm -hmm. from governments around the world. 
Um, and, and that's a big problem. Um, there's other things like recent um, bombshell that Pfizer had actually partnered with Alipay right. um, back in 2019. Um, we know Alipay are part of the infrastructure for the CCP social credit system. Yep. Um, so there's huge conflicts of interest from big international organizations. And then at home, we're seeing this as a very convenient way for the government to cover up on failings in other areas. Mm -hmm. um, the North Shropshire by-election is something that you know, if this had happened in 2019, 2018, it would have spelled the end for a prime minister. And the fact that he can fall back on the science and sort of say, well, we're still in crisis mode. We still need to be looking at science as, as our primary objective. Boosters are the only important thing. How many times have we heard the prime minister talk about immigration lately um, or talk about any of the other issues that have just yeah. been swept under the rug? I mean, it just doesn't happen. No, it's true. Um, I think I've been, I've been talking about um, this kind of side of, especially when it comes to conflict of interest and the CCP or, or essentially the, the opponents of the West uh, doing certain authoritarian measures. Um, I came up with a, with a very specific type of theory that I thought, benefit of the doubt, the Western governments, including the UK government, the American government, and you know, states like this, um, benefit of the doubt theory is that they, they, they think that they should also introduce kind of essentially centralist centralization and authoritarian measures, including the, the public health England, which has kind of gone away, but there's a different version of it, introducing a kind of health social credit score system in this country as well, without calling it, um, is because they think, well, if, if the CCP are doing it, we should also basically create controlled tyranny in our yes. country so we will be prepared if China uses it against us. So yeah. then, which is kind of ironic, that's counterproductive, because if that's the case, if, if, if it's not because Boris Johnson and Joe Biden and all the democratically elected governments uh, have gone completely dictatorial, let's just say that's yeah. not the case. If it's because they think China is doing it, so we should do it so that we'll be prepared, that's also you're already introducing tyranny onto your people because you're scared yes. China will be tyr tyrannical. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think a lot of the problem is economic, right? So there's uh, a quote, and I mean, you can debate whether or not this is accurate, but if a particular Chinese billionaire wanted to, he could turn off all the electricity in London. Mm. And that's something that goes around quite frequently, these kind of quotes. Now, there's not enough being done in terms of research as to the economic war, which I think we've already lost in many ways, because it is, it's yep. just a fact that other nations control many of our power sources. Um, but when you're looking at China as um, uh, essentially a country with massive human rights crisis, mm. being in control of property in the US, being in control mm. and electricity in the UK, yep. you're looking at Western nations being controlled by an autocracy that's committing mass genocide, uh, that's committing all kinds of atrocities against its own people, that is persecuting you know, underground Christian and Muslim minorities over there. Um, and yet the West is kind of just subservient economically. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22 because it comes back to that point. The Prime Minister doesn't want to look at, you know, a catastrophic election because he can fall back on the science. Well, he doesn't want to look at China because then it's going to open up a whole host of other problems with the way our infrastructure is run um, yeah. and how globalised we've become. So I think that's that's the biggest problem. Yeah. And, uh, you're right. And I think when it comes to who's going to defend uh, the West or the values of our civilizations or what we have, um, you know whether we like just to be objective it can't be the liberal side the liberal left side because uh it's not because they're bad or they like they, they don't care but by nature that's not their priority by nature the liberal left mentality is in the west yeah. is to go against the consensus of conservatism and patriotism yeah. nationalism because they're more towards internationalism they're yeah. more kind of prioritizing the, the future star trek world so yeah. they they're not gonna kind of feel the threats of 
a different country east to the west as a priority in terms of threats. Um, but it, it, then it makes sense that you know it should be the small C conservative in each country yes. uh, sh- should kind of protect the values. But in this country, there's a big problem. You guys have a, a group called Orthodox Conservatives, which yes. I want to kind of talk, talk kind of talk to us more about that because um, yeah. there's a reason you guys exist, right? Yeah. So well, I mean, what we believe is that social conservatism is quite a common sense choice for most mm-hmm. people. And we believe in making it a sensible choice for people. Mm-hmm. So looking at ways that we can engage with traditional authority structures, traditional power structures, mm-hmm. civility and order, um, you know, upholding the family units is one of our primary concerns. These kind of more traditional principles and apply them to the modern world. So mm-hmm. we look at that through a range of different policy ideas. Um, but recently- if, it, if it's common sense, if it, if it is, because yes. I do believe that it's a kind of consensus, yes. uh, the kind of silent majority, actually the majority. Yeah. And the Tory party by nature is, uh, it's essentially a, in a weird way, a populist party because they always have to kind of go with the, the mood and the vibe to right. win the votes. Why is the Tory party is not a conservative party, really? Well, it's, it's quite an interesting uh, question. I think that what we see is when they revert to more traditional principles, they win. So what they'll do is they use the traditional principles to win, but then their actual mm-hmm. operators, the main actors within yep. CTHQ, tend to have a more uh, dem- uh, liberal democratic kind of feel to the way they actually operate. Sometimes even further left, we yep. can talk about certain yes. in number 10 who have communist backgrounds, we won't name names, but... Um, the problem is that that advisory and that bureaucracy around CCHQ and the structure yeah. is not democratically elected. Um, mm-hmm. And so when the advisory roles start to control the politicians, we're not seeing elected people controlling the narrative. Yeah. And they only fit into the narrative, which tends to be more traditional, more conservative, when it suits them to win an election. That's what we saw with Brexit. I mean, we, we know Boris's checkered history over leave yeah, um, yeah. and remain. They tend to jump on the bandwagon and then get off as soon as it comes to actual policy. And, and we're still, I mean, like, for example, like a 2019 election sort of thing, we, like even people like me and you, we, we, we still would vote for it because first we have no choice but to have that hope that but at least there's one person saying that is, is, is going to get Brexit done. And so what, what are we going to do? We're going to vote Jeremy Corbyn? There was no, there was no point. So, and we kind of know that uh, it's, it's kind of just a narrative for the election. And it's not just the first time. 2015, David Cameron election was yeah. very right wing uh, yeah. in, in the sense that his own government wasn't. And his 2010 campaign was very liberal democratic. That's why he couldn't get a majority. And maybe right. he, he real, even he learned that, okay, fine, let's actually go to an extent back to basics and 2015 he did really well people keep saying that oh it's because Miliband was terrible give some credit to the narrative as well he's an incredible incredible example because i mean talk about hypocrisy i mean he ran on you know strong christian principles and it introduced gay marriage which alienated half of the (laughs) purely because they were you know based themselves on traditional you know values so it's one of these things where i think a narrative is kind of constructed and mm. then quietly deconstructed. So I think what happens is you, you get mood swings, right, in the population. So people go up to frenzy around an election, a referendum, and then they kind of fall off a bit. Nobody's mm. really interested in politics because they've been so swamped by it. They just want to chill for a bit. Uh, and that's when they start to change the narrative to what they really want. Yeah. Um, and, and, and going back to, you know, does it work? I mean, look at Trump, okay? Uh, I wouldn't label Trump as a conservative just looking at him from the outside but what he did really well is he became insular as soon as he got in control it was less about the global power structure more about what we're doing at home to rebuild the economy you know and 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 that works it just yeah he didn't really shout about uh, kind of the international stuff uh, but ironically his international kind of uh, stance was one of the most strength part of his uh, his presidency but he didn't really shout about his narrative if focus 
candidate Trump and President Trump, firstly consistent, yeah. uh, but focused on domestic, which is yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, one of our biggest issues right now is economy. Uh, we can talk all day long about the restrictions. We can talk all day long about freedom. But that, the fact is that doesn't matter if we, if we don't have any cash flow in our economy um, because people simply can't be entrepreneurial and they can't create their own freedom um, unless they have a market to operate in. And, and right now, essentially, the government's just becoming a massive bank. Yeah. Um, it's printing money. It's, it's doing its own thing. And nobody's paying attention to this. No, um, enough. I mean, it's, it's it's a house of cards right now. It is actually sad. The the the, the topic of uh, um, the economy in general, um, elections. It is always the most important topic, uh, and the partisan politicians who forget about it, they lose. But on the other hand, whilst it's one of the most important topics for the voters, it's also one of the most complicated topics for the voters. That you know, no one is really kind of getting get getting into. Yeah. what the central bank is doing what is monetarism what is going to because people fear that you have to be an expert in, in your, you don't have to be some sort of weird academic economic expert you know just some some basic kind of studies kind of will help people to yeah. kind of understand the the role of the currency what, what was happening right now around the world and in this country yeah. how much centralization is actually kind of destroying uh, the same west that the establishment created because they cared initially they all decades and decades ago because that, that that's they thought this structure will help us kind of come strong. And now the same structure is actually kind of shooting ourselves in the foot because of it. So, right. but we'll I see. Think how the way, I think the way that economics can be unhelpful to the voters, like you said, because it's such a big topic. It's like, well, where does it actually affect me at home? And I think yeah. that's, that's, that's the easiest question to answer because it's like with the, the new green agenda. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great. You know, it sounds like we're going to move into this utopian world where we're cutting our carbon emission. Yeah. How does it affect me? Yeah. <laughs> the reality is we're going to pay 100% more out of pocket as taxpayers. You know, yeah. um, we're going to be buying new things we never knew we needed before. Uh, we're going to be having to get rid of things that work perfectly well. Um, and I think that's where the nation's really going to come come against that kind of metropolitan narrative. I, I, you know, I saw a great a great quote, um, which I've mentioned previously, but it was London is the birthplace of global warming. And um, it, it's like you don't really care whether or not that's true. It's just yeah. that's going to be the perspective. People yeah. are going to think it's another match part in that narrative. That's true. That's true. Exactly. Spot on. Um, there's a lot of problems going on. And uh, what I'm going to do, because, you know, we need some sort of hope. We need some sort of well, insurgency. I don't know. Uh, Orthodox <laughs> Conservatives. I'm going to put the link in the description with your details and everything. So you guys, if you're interested, just check it out. If you want to support them, get involved there. Uh, uh, a few few good people there and uh yeah and we just brought our manifesto with some different policies in there so you can have a look at what we it do sounds weird, always weird when the uh, small groups and the campaign groups is have say they have manifesto it always reminds me of like manifestos like yes. there's gonna be someone's gonna blow up something <laughs> Anti, anti-marxist manifesto that's yeah. so we're gonna yeah. blow up the marxist that's yes. <laughs> no one's gonna blow up anyone for the record no. nobody do, do not cancel me guys uh no so i'm not gonna get cancelled i'm gonna try my best to be reasonable without selling my soul to the left liberal globalist elitist weirdos um the the hackney going soho drinking oh i should stop talking right anyway (laughs) thanks again guys for watching thank you joseph for coming on the show i'll put the details in the description i'm my tc i'll see you guys in the next video